part. That's you. I'm gonna put that on actually. Okay. Head to the heart. What? Head to the heart. And then um, call me higher and then be my perfection. Yeah, some days they work, some days they don't, right? <laughs> Thank you for serving today, leading us. 
Amen. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to church. Good morning. Good morning. All right. How, how about we stand? The, the, first, the first song that we have today is Head to the Heart. And one thing I just want to, there's in the bridge, it goes like this. Um, uh, more than words, more than good ideas, I find your love in the open fields. And I was, I was looking at the song this week, and I was thinking to myself, what, what does that really mean? And really what we see through this song, the song's about change and how God is changing you from the head to the heart. At first you're just thinking about God, then eventually you really, uh, you get him right in your soul. And some people, they feel God in the open field. Some people, you go to the vista, you're on top of the mountain, that's where you feel God. Some people, when they're quiet in their car in 696, they can feel God. But in your mind, in that, that portion of the song, think about where do, you, where do you really seek God? Where do you feel like you can connect? Give you 
This is, a, this is a song that we used to sing probably about 10 years ago, something like that. I don't think we've sang it in quite a while, but I think it's a great song. And, uh, and here, we, here we go. Hopefully, hopefully you guys like it. Just doing a little tuning here. All right, let's do it.
Thank you to our worship team this morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. Everyone's been asking where I have been, so I guess it's been a minute since I've been here. Um, so let me reintroduce myself for those of you who may have forgotten me. <laughs> My name is Jerry Gaskell, and I have some announcements for you this morning. But first, I want to welcome you all here to Genesis. Whether you're joining us online or here in person, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, we are asking everyone to keep their masks on during service and when in the building while we continue to host the warming center. So thank you for con continuing to do that. And then please mark your calendars for March 6th. Sunday, March 6th, we will be eating together after service with a soup and salad themed potluck. So plan your best soup or your best salad and uh, be ready to bring it for our uh, time together after church on March 6th. And lastly, we're going to release for connection. So if you would uh, turn to your neighbor, say hello, introduce yourself to someone new, if you're, if, if you're so inclined. <laughs> that would be great. Have a great day, everyone.
Welcome. Welcome, thank you. Those on Zoom, thank you for the intermission. On Facebook and, and here in person. Good to be with you. We were talking with those who were helping today because we create a moment for connection. That was connection. And I always have to remind myself, that's worship. And sometimes we can think that we get hung up and that worship is the real tangible, the real specific, uh, the Bible, prayer, singing the songs. Yes, that is. But so is that. It's a holy moment of looking people in the eyes, of talking, being seen, hearing people, listening to them. And so here in a few moments, we're going to create an opportunity for people to discuss and to talk because that's holy. And we grow by each other. Uh, God is at work, but we grow with the help of one another. This collective body helping each other. That's the beautiful picture of the church. One another helping each other. And so this is, this is holy to be together. It's, even, it's holy as you're on Zoom and on Facebook as we gather in the name of Jesus, our Messiah our King, our Savior, our Lord. So uh, I pray that you've come in with hope, but if you have not, this is a place for hope. I pray that you've come in refreshed and ready to worship, but if not, it is okay because this is a spot to receive refreshment from God. So let's pause and, and pray. And so Father... Come. Holy Spirit, we invite you to meet us. From what can feel like the ordinary, which is not because you are among us. That's what makes it extraordinary. The God of all creation has come near. You do not withhold yourself, you do not stay far away, but you lavish us with your love that you pour upon us. So Holy Spirit, come and lavish your love. Pour out the gifts, the blessing, the spiritual life, the real life, the vigorous life of Jesus through your spirit upon every ear that is listening, upon every body that is present. Come, Lord. We need you and you love to be near. And you love us. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do I need it? And so for those of you who, uh, we usually pause for the offering. We don't pass that plate anymore, but we acknowledge. We acknowledge the gifts, the tithes, the offerings that people are giving. If you've come to give a physical gift, there's a brown box at the back um, of the sanctuary where you can drop that in for those who are creating digital ways of giving or mailing it in. Thank you. God is faithful. Thank you for supporting the ministry and the good of what we're trying to do and who we're trying to be together. So God, thank you for your good gifts and your blessing upon us. Thank you for your generosity. We acknowledge it. Lord, let us be wise and faithful with all that you've given us. May it be multiplied for your good. Amen. So we're in a series 
called uh, the Genesis Way and the Pillars of Genesis. And we're looking at three different pillars of what we're saying that these are things that we want to work together on. When we talk about what does it look like to be a part of this community and to work together and to engage, it, it means very specific things. This is what we are trying to do. These are things that you should see evidence for, and these are things we want to have evident in all of our lives. This is work that we as a church and as families and as individuals that we want to engage in because we think that this reinforces the essence of Jesus. Those pillars are belonging, calling, or discipleship. No one is activating and becoming. And so today I'm going to talk about belonging. And belonging is, is it's, it's a, almost a part of what's just being human, that we have a desire to belong. And to begin, I was going to read Psalm 100, just to anchor a belonging. And as we gather here, we do want to be people who know, who, are, who can be reminded and encouraged and have the hope that we belong to God. A beautiful belonging to God. So this is Psalm 100. If you want to read along with me, you can follow the text. I love this psalm. And so I want to invite you to read it aloud. Let's read this together. Shout with the joy of the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. And so I invite you to be reminded of this beautiful truth. And we say we belong to God. I love verse 3. He made us. God created you, shaped you, formed you in your mother's womb. Yes, human beings played a part, but God was your creator. And it goes on to say, and we are his. We belong to God. So enter his gates. And it goes on to say, we are his people. A family. A sheep of his pasture. And in the psalm, it reminds us of a shepherd and that God is good. So breathe in that truth. You may not feel it. It can be distant. You are God's. He loves you. We are his people and the sheep. When I think of Psalm 100 in this language that was written a long time ago, it then makes me think about what Jesus said in John 10 when he uses that same language of being the sheep of his pasture, that we're God's, that we belong to God. So reinforce this beautiful truth and just to hear the words of Jesus because Jesus is the exact representation of God displays for us the extent to which we would belong to God. So this is John 10, verses 11 to 16. These are the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because he doesn't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not of the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. You belong to God. And here's Jesus saying that he is the shepherd. Not one when the attacks come that flees. What a beautiful picture. The hired hand runs away when the wolf. And he says because he runs because the sheep don't belong to him. And Jesus is saying when the attacks come, when you need defended, protected, I don't run because you belong to me and I lay my life down for you. So when we say we belong to God, it is anchored and tied in the beautiful truth of Jesus laying his life down for us on the cross. Giving completely of himself so the enemy of sin and Satan, who is the wolf who wants to kill and steal our life and destroy everything good, to silence and to, and to silence an accuser who continues to say, you don't belong. That's what the liar says again and again. There is nothing more foundational than being to be anchored in the beautiful truth of you belong to God out of the love of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life. And sometimes we can't fathom it. And that is okay. Because we can breathe it in. To breathe in his love. And so do that with me. Let's take a deep breath. And breathe out. Breathe in the deep belonging that we belong to Jesus as if the air was a gift from the one who loves us. We don't always feel it. It can feel far. It can actually not even feel true. But the beautiful part of coming together in a community is to, be, is to remember this, but also for this belonging to be modeled through our own relationships. It's a reminder through the relationships of one another, oh, I belong. I belong. So Lord, may, this, may we be able to believe this today. May we be able to rest in our belonging to Jesus. You are good. And so, Holy Spirit, in the words that have been read, may there be a deep knowing as you pour your love upon us. Amen. So we want you to know that belonging is our primary human need. And in a way, God has created the church. It's God's creation 
to set the lonely in families is a psalm. It's Psalm, 1, psalm 86, verse 6. To set the lonely in families. And in a way, God did create the church to be this place of belonging. But it doesn't always look that way. Michael Frost, uh, he wrote an article called The Lonely Crowd. Church is dying due to friendlessness. You can look it up. His name's Mike Frost, The Lonely Crowd. It's a really interesting article. And, and Mike references a sociologist named David Reisman, and he coined a term in the 1950s called The Lonely Crowd. And The Lonely Crowd is this. It describes a collective of people who live according to a common tradition and conforming values. Those are really good things. Beautiful things. Values that anchor us in common traditions and practices that put us in similar places. So good. But the lonely crowd is, yes, they have those things that anchor them, but who barely know or like each other. And so you come together for the common values and the traditions, but you're completely unknown. So it's a lonely crowd. And so the idea of the body of Christ, the church, is meant to be, those things should not be able to coexist, being barely known or not being embraced and loved. Have you experienced that before? You experiencing that right now here? Maybe. The truth of the spiritual practice of being a friend in some ways, we've experienced an atrophy of that. Like we don't know how, like we know how to be friendly or welcoming, but to actually be a friend is very different than being friendly. And this is not just an issue for the church, it's an issue for society where we're struggling of actually knowing how to make friends. This is very much a spiritual practice. Very much connected, knowing that we're belonging to God. Jesus said, they, the world, will know that you are my disciples because of how holy you look on Sundays. That's not. Um, how, um, gosh, what is the reference again? By the way, you love each other. By your voter ID. By your voter ID. <laughs> we, could, we could start listing what, what the church is known for, what discipleship is known for as jokes. But Jesus said, um, the beautiful picture would be the picture of your love. This like tangibleness to be a friend. And so today... Today, I want to encourage us and lead us into discussion here in just a couple minutes. But this isn't to bludgeon us. This isn't to shame us. This is to take a deep breath and to say, oh, Jesus was known as a friend. A friend of people who are outside of him, who are on the outskirts of him, the friend of the lonely, a friend of the broken, a friend of sinners, a friend of the marginalized, a friend of humanity, a friend of children. He was a friend. And so the spiritual practices of friendship. And so I want to engage us in three. About three spiritual practices in order that we would just say yes 
to the beautiful picture of family and friendship, of belonging, being a people who create places of belonging. And so the, the first one um, is this. So the problem with friendship is that for the majority of us, we're not good listeners. Now you know there's a difference between listening and hearing. I have, uh, I do some stuff with dads and there's this matrix about describing a father who's meant to be engaged and life-giving. Fully engaged in the life of their child, but also giving life. Because you can be passive and death-giving. That's not good. But you can be, you can be, uh, in, you can be life-giving in your relationship with your child, but passive. And you know what that looks like? That looks like when you're sitting in the car with my son and he's telling you all these interesting things about Minecraft or their day or something and they're talking and you know all the social cues of mm-hmm, yep, uh-huh, yep. So that's the life-giving comments, but not engaged. Have no clue what they just talked about. That's the average Joe father. And we've been invited to be actively engaged and life-giving, being present and fully there. The challenge is that most of us are really bad at active listening, giving someone your full intention. You're hearing but not listening. And if someone asks you if you're listening and they're talking to you like, are you listening to me? The answer is no if they have to ask that question. Now, now you think that you're getting off because you're hearing. Now, I do this all the time. And Carmel has to ask me, are you listening? And usually I will say yes because I'm hearing. I know she's talking, but I'm not active. If they ask you, you're not listening. Because we're not actively engaged. If they ask you, it's mean because you're not looking them in the eyes. You're trying to do something else. You're like, oh yeah, I can send this email and listen to you. Oh yeah, I can check this. And I'm notorious for doing the dishes and and. And, and if that so, but no, it's it's to be active, to be an active listener. Your hearing is not listening. The active type. So with this, of so being an active listener, this means that there's some nonverbal skills. That you're active. That you're present. That you're making eye contact, non-threatening eye contact. <laughs> For the people who struggle with being a bit weird, if you're like me. Right? And you're just kind of struggling like you're going to do everything. It's like my family is known for being intense. So when my mom makes eye contact, it's intense. The jaw comes out and the teeth come out. You know? So non-threatening eye contact. These are those skills that you engage in. That you engage in. Smiling. Maybe touching. Maintaining an open posture. Mirroring. That means reflecting facial expressions. And eliminating distraction. So if you're talking to someone who's really quiet and there's a whole bunch of loud talkers nearby, you need to move someplace else. If you're distracted by the television, turn it off. Move your body because you want to listen. When they're talking to you and they're telling you something, you know, and they're telling you something sad, you can, you can mimic with your face the expressions. You can put a hand upon them. You can be engaged. These are those nonverbal things that all of us can grow in to be active. And the more common the relationship, the more present in it, actually the harder it is for us to remain active. 
because we get lazy. But these nonverbal skills is a part of active listening. The other one are the verbal skills, which are when you're with someone remembering the things that they said. Gently questioning someone for greater clarification. Using reflection techniques, like repeating or paraphrasing what they said after they did, if they talked, just to show that you comprehended. This is what we do. So when it comes to being an, to being a listener and an active listener, I want you to rank yourself. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a listener are you? Ten means I'm amazing. When I sit down with people and I talk with them, they say, wow, you really heard me. You're amazing. We should do this more, right? <laughs> the one, uh, that, that's, what, that, that's where the person just walked away mid-conversation. You're like, I don't even know what happened there. So what, where would you rank yourself? One to ten. Write it down. Active listener, one to ten, what are you? Jesse was saying he's a better listener when you're not in a bunch of trouble yourself. Yeah, that, that's true. It's give and take, isn't it? We're going to be active listeners. So that's one spiritual practice. Active listener. Two, vulnerability. That's, that's sharing honestly and, and open about our life. It's telling parts of the real story of what it's like to be us. About our families, about our hopes, about the deep things in our lives. It takes courage and time. But it moves the conversations from the casual to the meaningful. We know the casual conversations Whoo, slippery out there, the ice, man, weather, sports, basic news, but the meaningful are the things that we value, people we love, things that bring us life, things that hurt our hopes, our dreams, our fears. And when we tip the scale in those, it does, it, it's risk, because it involves some trust. But most of us struggle to engage in real conversation, in real time to be vulnerable. But something that's going on, the courage to do so. If you've listened to, if you looked at any of the Brene Brown materials of talking about living wholehearted, being yourself so much is that one of the great enemies of vulnerability is shame. This idea that um, not just that there's certain things that happen to us or negative things or we make bad decisions but all of a sudden the shame is oh you are broken, oh you are bad, oh you are flawed. You are these, these lies that are spoken over us. And so when we carry that shame we either come in pretending or trying to fit in or to mask ourselves <laughs> in order to have to look perfect or good or right or healthy or whole or we're doing great. The vulnerability allows us to, one, celebrate the highs, to tell the truth about really good things and not to feel bad about the good things. Because sometimes telling something really good is, takes a lot of vulnerability. 
But it's also sharing the rich, the sorrowful, the pain. So when you're in conversations with people in this, does it ever feel like that you're like a talk show interview person interviewing somebody? Yeah, it's two-sided. You need to ask questions of each other, make deeper connections, opening ourselves up. So when it comes to being vulnerable, when it comes to telling things about life and speaking about real things and real uh, problems or issues, the things you care about, your hopes, your dreams, or your fears, and asking questions to people about that and in space, how do you do? A scale of one to 10, how would you rank yourself? Now, 10 is good. That's not meant to be that you're vulnerable with every living person. You tell your most intimate details. That is not healthy. That is weird. We've met people like that. Right? They scare the heck out of us. We're like, you need like five therapists. And believe me, I have therapists. I love them. You can't, that's not healthy. There's a level of trust. And someone that we're longing to build friendship with because we see there's a proximity, an invitation, a draw. So 10 is just this healthiness of sharing in the right context, the right times, real about life. They, 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 they reach out and they want to have important conversations. You don't have to pull teeth to have it. They jump in saying, oh, let me tell you what's going on. And, and one is, it's, like, it's the weather. It's what you ate. And th- those are fine. But boy, we know that when we're only getting that in relationships, how much we long for something deeper. So vulnerability. And the final one is this, another spiritual practice, availability. How funny is that one? The spiritual practice of availability. The other people we talk about friendship, and they say, if you don't, t- if you're not like engaged in connecting at least twice a month in some way, that friendship's on the down. Like every 15 days, making a connection, reaching out, making, being there, then, then it's struggling. And so when it comes to availability, it's by having presence and having time. You're open. You're, you're accessible. And again, this is not for everyone. We have limited availability. And in the different seasons, that space is either widened or shrinkened. But to have any kind of meaningful relationships, you have to be available. When it comes to fights that happen in significant relationships and friendships, the majority of them are about availability and time. Spending time with each other. And so what you value, you make time for. It becomes a spiritual practice of being available. Having room in your life. Just say, come be with me. Let's, let's, let's have lunch. Let's pull, let them overlap in what's already going on in your life. You're looking for a way to do it. It doesn't have to be anything out of the ordinary. Just pull people in with you. But are you available? Those are three spiritual practices that relate to belonging in order to engage this. So when it comes to your availability, on a scale of 1 to 10, rank yourself. 10 is like, I'm open. 
I, I make room and time for the relationships that are there. I'm making room for people to encounter them. You're, you're, you'll fight for it. And Juan is like, no, I, I have nothing. I, there's, if, you, if you want to be with me, it's going to be two months from now. In order, I remember texting somebody to get together and like, yeah, it's going to be about a month and a half before we can get together for a conversation. I'm like, oh, all right. You are not available. And there are seasons when that, that is not a slight. That is saying, okay, you're in a season when you're unavailable. But when it comes to friendship making, when it comes to belonging, there needs to be room for availability. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rank yourself? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to break up for discussion. And this discussion is a part of worship, where we can lean in and we can say, all right, well, what's the Lord bringing to your attention today? What is God? And so that can happen in the talking out loud. You're like, oh, huh, that's interesting. This, this is almost a way of belonging <laughs> to where we can actively listen to each other. So don't worry about making it through all the questions. Don't worry about doing it right. But let's be present. Let's be available. Let's be vulnerable. Let's practice it here. There's five amazing facilitators. These people have such great skills at this. The majority of them are teachers. But they're going to create the context to pull you around conversations. It can be 20 minutes. So um, facilitators, would you stand up? And today, because we've got, we're hosting for the Warming Center, and we want our guests to be able to be in their space and to have that room, we're going to stay in. We didn't put up tables in the lobby. We're going to stay in here. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. There's five people standing, and you can kind of see them. We've got Sandra, we've got Maddie, we've got Taylor, we've got Daniel, and we've got Chris back there. We're going to invite you just to kind of swirl around them in the pew. To turn, make face contact, though do not sit with your back towards them or back towards anybody there. But move to that. We're going to try to move about 10 people into each one. If you need to go, you can.